Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and today I'm really excited to have with us Josh Fonger. Josh is the co-owner of Work the System, and he's an absolute expert at helping small businesses grow through using the WTS method. And if you don't know what that is, if you haven't read the book, Work the System by uh, by Josh's partner, Sam Carpenter, uh, you, you need to, as soon as this interview is over, go run immediately to uh, to your nearest bookstore and find a copy of it. Um, it's uh, it's a book I read a couple of years ago and we began implementing things and um, absolutely changed the way we run the business. And I know you're going to learn a ton from it today. Uh, Josh has personally consulted or coached over 500 businesses through this process in more than 20 countries every industry you can imagine from startups all the way up to billion dollar operations. And he's really a, a specialist in dissecting really complex business problems. I think this is, uh, is going to be one of the, the episodes that you're going to come back to again and again. So uh, I want to welcome Josh Fonger to the, uh, to the Unstoppable CEO podcast. Welcome, Josh. Well, very good. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate that. That was a nice introduction. <laughs> all right. Looking forward to diving in today. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Um, so I, I guess just to give everybody a little bit of context, I know, I know we went through a little bit of your bio, but what is it that, that got you to this point in your career? You know, well, certainly I think like most CEOs, it wasn't what I had planned to do. Uh, my undergraduate degree is actually in architecture. So I thought I was going to be a real estate developer, which I was until the big crash in uh, 2007. But after that, I, I fell in love with consulting. I got a background uh, in business, had an MBA. And after being on the road for about three years and being gone 20 days a month, I knew that something had to change with my consulting and what I was doing. And I met a guy named Sam Carpenter. He's the author of Work the System. And once I, uh, once I met him, I saw that he did things differently. Uh, and he and I got to talking. And he had this book called Work the System. And I had this problem called being gone, doing consulting 20 days a month. And so he and I started a partnership together. And that was about seven years ago. And uh, it, it was really, it's kind of like the opposite of most businesses because Sam uh, was in his 60s and he didn't really want to start a company. But there was need because people were asking him to help with their businesses because uh, he had... Uh, written this book. People were loving this book, but he didn't really want to work. <laughs> he didn't need to work. He didn't need the money. And he'd already systemized his core businesses. And he was really having, a, enjoying the freedom, enjoying the lifestyle. But he wanted to get back. And uh, that was why we actually joined together because he needed someone to be his field guy, someone to actually do the consulting, someone to do the coaching, someone to do these podcasts because uh, he didn't need to, but he knew this was, the, this was the secret. This is what businesses needed. Um, so we're often called the, the next step after the e-myth. So you read the book, The E-Myth, and you say, yes, I want to work on my business. How do I do that? And then they read Sam's book and they say, oh, this is how. This is how I actually work on my business uh, is using this methodology. And so, yeah, that's, that's how we started seven years ago. And it was just out of demand. And we've been just continuing to try to supply for that demand, whether that's through consulting or coaching or podcast or webinars. Well, I'll tell you, the, the book's fantastic and the methodology is, is fantastic. And I, I mean, I think for anybody that looks at it, you, you, they may look at it and go, well, 
Okay, there's nothing earth shattering here, but mm-hmm. the magic is is in in the fact that that it's actually kind of been laid out and delineated. So I, I want to dive into all of that, but but really before we do, to set the stage, let's talk for a minute about some of the traps that that a business owner might fall into or be suffering in that would cause them to say, you know, I need to, I need to go check out this work, the system thing. <laughs> well, uh, and I just to, to, to update on what you said, um, Sam's favorite phrase is boring, but true. Yeah. Our, our company is very much um, not the flashiest company because it's the boring, but true mechanics that virtually every company needs to figure out if they want to grow, if they want to grow uh, simply, you know, simplify business growth is one of our phrases is that if they want to do it, they have to put these mechanical pieces into place. And so basically every company uh, needs it. Um, the ones that really are stuck in plateaus or high levels of stress uh, are the ones that um, are busy doing it all themselves, right? They, they can't trust anyone to do the work for them because it's going to get done wrong or they're doing too, uh, too much variety of work. And so they can't actually come up with a clear system on how to do their, their craft or what they're meant to do because they're, they're spread too thin. So um, it could be a whole host of issues, but usually they're, they're stressed out, they're out of time, and they're, not, they're, not, they're not making enough money. Uh, hence, uh, Sam's subtitle of his book, which sounds like a get-rich-quick scheme, but really it's not. It's, it's mechanical. It's the simple mechanics of making more and working less. So if you're a small business owner, and you want to, like, like an equation, work less and less and less in your business and have greater and greater revenue and profits. It's, so, I mean, we, it's, <laughs> that's the biggest problem with our business is it's, it's too universal. Um, but uh, it's really for people who, are, who uh, acknowledge that and they're ready, ready to make a mechanical shift, I would say. Yeah, and I, I think the, the idea of mechanics is, is, is an important one for everybody to think about. This is there's so much out there right now on, you know, how to grow your business and do the latest thing with, you know, advertising or whatever. Um, and, and all that stuff is pretty flashy and it sounds great. And a lot of it is very good, but, um, but I'll tell you, having built my first business to the point where I could leave it for, you know, weeks at a time and it, I'd come back and it was better than when I left. Mm-hmm. You know, that's to me, that, that's the glamorous part of business, right? Because now you've created this freedom for yourself. But that freedom comes through doing these really kind of boring, mundane, under the hood sort of things yep. that, that nobody really necessarily wants to do. But to get to the, the goal, the reason we all start these businesses, you've got to pay attention to this stuff. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We call that phase heavy lifting is, you know, that you hate where you are and you know, you're going to love where you want to be. But there is a heavy lifting phase. And it's not just a tactic. It's not just a new app. It's not just a new software. It, it's a new methodology, a, a new way to approach business. And that's why we don't do you know, short-term engagements of just a day or two days. We, we need some time to build these stair steps, to build these mechanics so that when, when you are done, your business does get better and better and better with time. Uh, I had a conversation with Sam just last week. He said it was the, the best, best billing month his company's ever had. And um, he still works in the business that he, he started and he wrote, wrote his book about, but it's about 10 minutes a week. So 10 minutes a week, he's still involved in the business, but um, you know, it's amazing. And, and it's been every single month, year after year after year, less and less time, 
more and more money. Uh, and it's because of these mechanics. And I think that's what really attracts people is um, if they're ready to build a serious business, if they really just enjoy the chaos, then we're not right for them. I mean, if they love that, then they can, they can scramble all they want. And some people, they, they love that, but, but uh, not our clients. Yeah. So for a business owner that's feeling that, that pressure that, uh, you know, it's life is chaotic. seems like every time they turn around, there's a bomb going off inside the foxhole mm-hmm. and, um, and they want to start moving out of that. Can you kind of walk through the framework and where, where you begin and, and then where we go from there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, and, and make sure to ask me, Steve, ask me questions if, I, if I'm not totally clear about this, because I want to make sure the audience gets this. And the first piece is, is so important. When I first met Sam, I, I thought it was unnecessary, to be honest. I thought, well, you just document some things and you'll be fine, right? That's all it's about. He said, no, 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 Josh, it really has to do with the mindset. It has to shift. I know that's kind of a cliche phrase, but um, the best way to picture it is getting outside and slightly elevated and look down on yourself, look down on your business and see the separateness, see the separateness of, of what you do and every single aspect of it, slice it into little slices and see, okay, the way I make this call is a separate system. The way I lock up, lock up at night is a separate system. The way I greet a new customer is a separate system. The way I invoice my clients is a separate system and, and to, to see those pieces and then realize, you know, most of them are, are probably going, okay, you know, you're in business, but find where the problems are, where the bottlenecks are, where the, the leakage is, where, where the mistakes are happening, and then simply go to work on those separate pieces. And if you can think in that way, it's not so overwhelming because you know that, um, and this, this is Sam's thesis put into action was, um, if I have all of my pieces of my business perfect, I wonder if I'll have a perfect business. And that was his, his dream about 20 years ago. And then he went about fixing each piece and lo and behold, you do, you do. And it's not so overwhelming because fixing a business is hard, but fixing how you answer the phone is not so hard. You know, fixing how you invoice a client is not so hard, but um, you have to get outside and slightly elevated first, um, you know, get out of the chaos. And it, it's funny, I, I do this uh, freedom index with the clients that I work with and usually they're at a stress level of nine, 10, or 11 out of a stress level of one to 10. They're, they're pretty stressed out. And once we first do module one, which is just, you know, think differently, it usually goes down a few points. Just, just to think a little bit different, you know, kind of relieves the stress. And they say, you know what, actually I could do this. So that's first one. And that's step one. That's called the work the system mindset or the, the, the WTS mindset. So, you know, you, you kind of make that mindset shift. And I know when I was reading the book, um, you know, when I first came across it, it made perfect sense. And then it was a little bit difficult to kind of then separate out and begin to identify mm-hmm. all of the different parts and pieces. And, yep. uh, and the first time through it, it almost became a little bit overwhelming. Then as I started to identify, okay, well, I got a system for this and we got a system for that and another one over here. That was a pretty long list. Oh my gosh. It, it definitely, uh, I was working with a, a, a nuclear power plant repair company of all places in uh, Kentucky. And so they do industrial piping and I flew out there and they said, Josh, I just want you to help us with one system, just one system. I said, okay. Um, it's kind of a rare, usually it's a total company changeover. And they said, it's just our, um, our contract system, you know, how, how we build contracts with our clients. And we, 
and I went through this and I said, well, it shouldn't be too hard. There was a hundred different processes that go into just doing a contract. And it's because this business, the contracts range from $3,000 to $10 million. And so there's a certain amount of due diligence, a certain amount of research, there's a certain amount of site visits, there's meetings, there's, there's, there's a ton of work that goes into writing one of these proposals. And so the reason why it was so difficult is because they never broke it into the pieces. But once, once we did, then, then each of the pieces wasn't so hard. And I would say that um, in that case, they were pretty overwhelmed. But in most cases, the overwhelm is because they see, gosh, I have 400 systems. Like in Sam's business, Centertel, there's 400 systems in his business, approximately. It's not about getting all 400 done. It's about the, the first step, which is having a clear strategy of doing it, realizing that it's your, your team, we call bottom-up, who's going to help you do it, as long as they, they think this way, and realizing that you just do one at a time. No, one, no company can ever absorb that much change at a time anyways, but they can absorb one piece at a time. And so we, we really want to... Um, help them to think in terms of, you know, you're in business, you're doing okay. Let's just build the next piece and the next piece and the next piece. And that's what, um, that's why building a business can be um, both not so risky. It can, it can be safe if, if you do it in a methodical way. Um, it's, it's a little more boring, right? But you, you know, Hey, next month will be better than this month. And the month after that will be better because I'm systematically fixing these problems. And so uh, I try to get people to prioritize, and not say, gosh, I got to write 20 systems next week. Just say, just, just write one. Just write the next one that you're in the middle of doing that's going to make an impact. And those assets each will have a certain ROI to them. They're going to have a return on investment. And that ROI might be captured in the next week or the next two weeks or the next three weeks. But you will, you will be able to build off that thing you built. So just be patient with the process and don't get sucked into, I mean, you and I are both on the internet a lot. Don't get sucked into this idea that you're going to have a business that goes from 50K to 100K to 2 million in the next six months. Because that's, that's not how most businesses would operate, nor do they need to, right? I mean, you can have sustainable, continuous, profitable growth um, as long as you don't get sidetracked into the shiny objects. I mean, shiny object syndrome seems to be <laughs> a big problem on the internet. Well, and... I you know, coming back to the idea of growth, the, the freeing up of, of the leader, of the CEO, of the entrepreneur who's kind of creating that vision, to me, that, that's the number one driver of growth because that's the person who's building the relationships and, and developing the ideas, the innovations that, mm -hmm. uh, that are going to be valuable out in the marketplace. And if that person's tied up doing all this chaotic nonsense, on, on the delivery side, not that you can ignore the delivery side of a business, but mm -hmm. if that's where the focus is all the time, then there's no time for innovation and no time for relationships. And those are the things that ultimately create value. Exactly. And those are things that only owners can do typically. And so uh, when I break out, you know, I do this exercise, I break out what everyone is doing in the business and we find out what the owner is doing. And then I say, well, who's, who's the CEO of this business then? Cause it looks like you're doing all these things. And, and so who is actually providing leadership, who's strategy, who's doing business development, who's doing uh, research, who's working on your products, new relationships, uh, new locations. No one's doing it. Who's working on the brand? People, I mean, you're doing the craft and, and you have some assistance, but no one's actually building the business. So there is no CEO of this business right now. And so if you would like to grow, you have to mature to that point. Um, but you can't just delegate. You can't just say, well, I'll just pass it off to someone else because it, it, will, it will fail. Um, and so a big part of what we do through the method is we make sure that 
we, we try to take the highest, um, as much as we possibly can from the top and move it to the bottom through documentation, through systemization. And, and part of that starts with the strategy. So if the owner knows the strategy, that's nice. But then the owner has to speak into every single person and every single process for it to be done according to the strategy. So the strategy does have to be put on paper and the people need to understand it. And then they start to make decisions that align by that. Uh, it's very, I mean, assimilation is, effic- is very efficient. You want everyone to assimilate, to rally around that one strategy. We call it the strategic objective. And I, w- I would say it's the, um, people don't think that's going to provide them much efficiency, but it, it really, it cuts out all the bad decisions and it really accentuates all the good decisions because it doesn't need to go through the owner anymore. Every decision goes through the strategic objective, not through the owner. Even the owner's decisions go through the strategic objective. And that, um, that, that crucible, that, that filter, um, laser focuses everything everyone does. And you can, you can say, nope, we're not doing this. And yes, we are doing this. And um, the more and more you can compact that, the better. I mean, I was working with this, um, this surgeon. This is kind of a funny story. And he used to be a general surgeon, right? So he'd do everything, basically anything, anything in your stomach, chest area. And then he got refined in what he did. And then it was, um, you know, urology. And then it was just one thing, one thing, um, reverse vasectomies of all things. So once you have a vasectomy, you can reverse it. And he does more reverse vasectomies than anyone in the country. And he does them at a lower cost than anyone in the country. And he does them at a higher, um, higher um, margin than anyone in the country. And he's booked out for the next three months. And so he and I worked on opening up new reverse vasectomy centers <laughs> around the U.S., right? And, and so it was you know, packaging the, that one thing in a way that could be done other places. And um, yeah, so I, th- I think the refining of the strategy really is important. It's a key towards... Um, efficiency and success. I, I, I think it's the first big, you know, big block that, that'll give you that efficiency. I mean, from a high level, if you now have a filter for decision-making, it, everything becomes easier. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, as you mentioned, you know, being able to know what, what's in and what's out, where, yep. where you're going to draw the line and say, no, we're not doing that. Um, it, can, it can dramatically improve your efficiency. Um, we had a call yesterday with a client uh, who wanted us to do four or five things that, you know, yeah, we could absolutely do them, but we aren't doing them because it's not, it's not in the box that we've defined. Yes. And that's, that is tough for small businesses who, especially who are living uh, month to month with their, with their new business to make those kind of tough decisions. And so I like to be very pragmatic about this, the way this works. So, um, you know, I'm working with this uh, writing company right now. So they, they are scaling up their writing organization of writers and they used to kind of just do everything. And now they're moving to just writing a certain genre and now just a certain size. And they're kind of, they're, they're tailoring it back and they're not tailoring it back by just saying no to a ton of business. They're just raising the price points dramatically in the stuff they want to get out of. And they are building systems of efficiency in the stuff they want to stay in. And so, yes, less people are going to hire them to do this kind of writing. That's fine. But if they get it, they'll take it and they'll make a lot of money with it. But that's not going to be what they systemize and scale in their business. Right. And so I think it's, I think it's important for people to say, well, you know, I could never do that. It, as you can, you can do that as long as you're willing to make some methodical steps. And that's what we do in the strategic objective is we don't just say you're going to change everything instantly because 
then everyone who is around you is going to know you're hypocritical. You'd say we're, we're moving towards this direction. We're, we're moving towards uh, a level of, um, uh, I mean, like you said, if you clarify it, you're going to get better. You're going to get faster. Your quality's going to go up. And then your, people are going to want to pay more for that. You're going to be in higher demand. Um, but it doesn't happen overnight. Well, and I think that's a, that's a critical point. Um, we run into the same thing in, in working with you know, companies in their marketing when we want to get them to focus on a, you know, a, an ideal client. And um, the, the key thing I think for everybody listening to understand is that doesn't mean you're going you're gonna to push anything away as you begin to focus. Um, it's that you, you put a filter in place and, 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 and you let it work itself out, you know, raising prices on, you know, the great example, raise prices dramatically on the things you don't want to do anymore. That'll take care of itself eventually. Yep. But in the meantime, you're going to make some money, which yep. you need to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can't just uh, totally change directions uh, unless, unless you have a larger business and it's okay for you to totally cut off uh, a plant or cut off a location. And I've had the situation where we've done that sometimes, but better, it's better to move slowly because then you get a chance to test. I mean, the, the market gives you feedback. I mean, there's a feedback loop that's natural and you should use that to your advantage instead of just um, thinking like you know it all. You can put it out there and adjust and adjust your prices and adjust your scope. And I think it's about owners realizing you're in control of your business and you should customize every single thing to fit you know, both your lifestyle, both what your market wants, both what your, park, your product does, uh, the industry you're in, the technology you use based on, you know, the um, competition you have. You know, I was talking to a, a, um, a physical therapist just yesterday, one of, one of my clients, and um, the advice I'm going to give this physical therapist in this particular city is totally different than another physical therapist I'm going to give somewhere else because he has different competitive forces. He has a different skill set. He's got a different team. He has got different um, limitations with regards to his square footage and uh, different opportunities. And the strategic objective is all about understanding that you are making a business. This is Sam's phrase um, for a minority of one. You're making a business for you, you, your customers, your market at this time, you know, in the, in the world, not generic. And so if you can really understand that, then you can control it. Um, Sam's business is, um, and maybe I'm belaboring the point, is a, is a call center, right? It's an answering service. There's, there's uh, 3,000 of these things in the U.S. It's a commodity business. But Sam does it differently than anyone else does in his industry. He only takes specific clientele with specific industries who have specific needs. Um, and he, so he's tailored down. He's really shrunk the market. But he charges twice as much for that particular service as anyone else does. And he does it in half the amount of time. So people are wondering like, well, how does he make so much money with this, with this kind of business? And it's because most people are making a 3% net profit. He's making a 33% net profit, right? It's, it's, it's because he's really um, refined and he's, you know, no one can beat him in this spot and, and he knows it. And that, I think that's important to get there. Um, that, that's just the strategic objective. So the, then that's kind of the first building block here and, yes. and, and, uh, of the three. So once you've got that in place, what's next? The next piece is the operating principles. And this, uh, you know, Sam and I are both very mechanical with how we fix companies. And we were like, you know, and the idea of values, if everyone's heard vision, values, mission, this idea of values. And, and I said, Sam, isn't, isn't operating principles just like values? That's been around for a hundred years, uh, more than that. And he says, no. It's different than that, and values are part of it, but they are values put into action. 
these are principles that you use for decision making. These are principles that allow your team to all um, know what's right and what's wrong, but also how to apply it. So there are values or there are principles that, that have to do with how you manage your time, how you manage your procedures, how you manage, um, like, what do you feel about customer service? Uh, how do you make decisions with regards to profit? How do we know when to invest in new technology? Is, you know, is it, are we more about relationship building or about getting the money now? Like how, how do we make these tough decisions? Uh, are we going to be in investing in new infrastructure? Or are we going to be a lean business? Are we going to be a business that um, is all about innovation and risk? Or are we, we going to be a conservative business? And so every decision that's made, again, this is allowing the team, as you grow your team, this can be contractors, part-timers, vendors, uh, employees. But as you're growing your team, the people that work with you, how are they going to make decisions on your behalf? And I, and I was working with a dentist in, in St. Louis, and this was the biggest shift for him in his business is he'd been in business for, for you know, three decades, had a successful uh, dental operation there. But his team culturally continued to make, uh, make mistakes, you know, obvious mistakes to him. But I explained to him that your team, they're not made of mind readers. Your, your team can't read your mind. And if you're going to be working on teeth and doing root canals and, and all that stuff, they don't know how you would approach this situation because you've never written it down. You've never told them that teamwork is important. You know, you've never told them that we are trying to build long-term relationships with these customers. You've never told them about these things. And so, uh, you know, Sally might handle it some way and then Fred's going to handle it a different way and Eric's going to handle it a different way. Um, and they don't need a procedure for these, um, these nuanced situations. They just need, principles to guide guide their decisions that's going to free you up with a ton of time and and that's what he did that that really opened the door to his business growing yeah and um if you take these in kind of in order so you start with the strategic objective and then you you kind of you know come down to these um operating principles you you immediately will begin to free yourself up Mm-hmm. Um, and I always, in our business, we, we have a document where I've, I've gone through and done that. And, you know, I always like to describe it as the, you know, the, what would Steve do if, so if mm-hmm. I'm not around, you can't get a hold of me, you know, um, I'm, in fact, we're going to, you know, my family and I are going to be out for close to two weeks in July with no cell phone access intentionally. The business is going to be fine because I've got good people and they know, through this process, how, how we want things to operate. Um, to me, that's, it's the fundamental job of, of the leader is to, to, you know, kind of with intentionality, mm-hmm. lay all these things out. And yet most of us think that if we just show up and they watch us do it, they get it and they don't, you need to mm-hmm. be a little more explicit, I think. Exactly. Yeah, you really do. And um, people want to do good work. Normally, they just need to know what, what does good work look like? Um, I mean, I'm working with this, this home staging company right now. And it's, it's funny because they have a 22 year old uh, working there and they have a 62 year old working there. And so the 22 year old is great at, you know, being dynamic and funny and creative. Um, and then the 60 year old is really good at um, being perfect and not making a mistake and super slow and methodical, but, uh, but very cold. Right. And they're, they're both getting it wrong. For different reasons. And so the owner has not really clarified, you know, the 22 year old really need to add up, you know, increase our professionalism and we can't have this many mistakes. And hey, you know, the six year old, it's okay. We're, we're not doing, you know, brain surgery here. We, we do need to 
pick up the pace. You know, people do enjoy working with us where, you know, we're doing um, styling for these homes. We're doing home staging. It's, it's supposed to be a kind of a fun experience. Not so like, um, you know, you're not working with the IRS here. And so they both were getting it wrong in the same company. And that created a lot of conflict, you know, cause one thinks they're doing it right. The other one thinks they're doing it right. It just, um, people are, I call them the most dynamic, the most variable, the most expensive machines in your business. Right. And you have to mold them to be, um, you know, mechanically put in the right place so they can be efficient because they want to be, they want to actually do good, good work. And um, I mean, the funny thing is once, once they know what to do and they, they can do it well, it's more enjoyable for everybody. Um, sometimes people get the idea that, you know, once we build this, you know, this work the system model in the company, it's going to get worse, worse place to work. But the, the exact opposite is true. If we let them know that the team and the owner are, are, are going to unify around something and all the friction, all the chaos, all the stress is going to melt away piece by piece by piece. If you stick with it. Um, I like to tell the story. This, this is not, uh, a credit to me. This is just uh, a kind of a lucky situation I had growing up is when I worked at a real estate development firm in, in Phoenix, a couple of years out of college, uh, I worked for the company that got rated the best place to work. So best place to work in, in Phoenix for their size business. And this is a real estate development business. Uh, usually they're pretty chaotic. There's a lot of moving parts. And the reason why is they had a very clear strategy, very clear principles, but and this is going to dovetail to our next topic here is they gave me a binder that was about six inches thick the first day I worked there. And they said, Josh, this is the way you build. Uh, and I, I, um, I was a project manager building uh, Walgreens uh, pharmacies. And this is how you build it. You know, step one, call this person. Step two, do this. Step three, do this. And it was, you know, six, seven inches thick. And they said, this process takes about two years. Um, you'll be able to sell it for, you know, $7 million at the end. But, we're going to walk through step by step by step by step and you're not going to make mistakes. You're not going to have problems. You're not going to have confusion. You're going to run this project really well, just like everyone in our company does. And instead of working a hundred hour work weeks, you're going to work 40 hours a week. And it was amazing. I mean, I'd, I'd worked in real estate development and other companies before and this company, they had it dialed in and it was because they took it to the next level, which is the procedures, which I think is where we're going to get to is they took, they took the time to invest in procedures. So let, let's talk about that. Um, that to me is when I talk to other business owners about getting there and I've, frankly for in our own business, as we've implemented the process, um, getting the procedures down is at the beginning, the most daunting thing, you know, because you, we talked about it at the beginning, like you come up with this long, long list of, of systems that need to be looked at and you feel like, Oh man, how are we ever going to get through those? And as the business owner, you know, in, in many cases, I'm not the one to document it, you know, and so I, I don't even have the, the relevant information. Um, and I know a lot of business owners feel like they have to be the one to do it. And I think that I think you're going to say, and I think I'd agree that that's the wrong approach. It is. It is the wrong approach. I mean, it, it goes back to this, um, this, I listened to you on a previous podcast, this, uh, this hero complex where you have to be the hero and the, and the, um, the one who's going to impart knowledge on everyone. And uh, really, it, it's the, um, the opposite. Sam refers to it. He, he said he wants to be the finger pointer. He's like, I just want to be the finger pointer. And that's it. Um, but people, and people love working at his company. I mean, he's got a really great operation there. 
in all the companies he started. But you do have to, um, you have to first realize that, n- no, you're not the one who's going to write it, and uh, nor would you want to. Um, I've, I've been in companies where the owner does write everything, and that company is going to be bottlenecked in growth, in efficiency, in operations, because the owner has to be the one who fixes everything. And so what I try to teach people is um, teach people the skills to um, improve the operation. Don't teach them the improved operation, uh, which takes a little bit longer. So you do have to, to invest in the training of your team. But you can do this for, for super small companies. You can do this with, um, with uh, even your contractors. Like um, we have, for us, we've, I, my team, I have an expert in Infusionsoft. That's one of the softwares we use for our, our marketing. And I have a gal who is amazing. She can do everything, but she's not inexpensive, right? And so part of the deal is um, as she does things that are going to be repeatable, that I know are going to be repeatable, I say, I need you to document how you do that. And she does. And then give it to my assistant who uh, is a a more affordable person to do that repeatable task. And so, uh, yes, sometimes I write things down and pass them down, but sometimes she does. And then sometimes... The people who are, are newest, and I, I do this all the time with companies, is um, don't write down what they do and hire them, hire them, and then have them write down what they do, right? Uh, it really can be that, that simple uh, if you're willing to um, invest. And that, I think that's the hardest thing to get people over is not that they should do it, is this is going to take time, and time is money. Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to actually have your staff take two or three hours a week and work on procedures, work on reviewing them, refining them, improving them, training with them, delegating, cross-training, measuring, policing them to get those pieces of your business better. Are you willing to do that? And know that the ROI, the return in terms of a better brand, higher quality, faster, more efficient, more profitable, those things are going to come, but you might have to wait a few weeks or a few months for that one piece to show results. Are you willing to do that? And sometimes people are, and sometimes they're not, but they have to be, um, you know, otherwise it's not worth starting. And if they're not going to invest in it, then I just say, well, um, just don't write anything down, you know, <laughs> but you're going to be, you're going to be stuck. You're not going to be stuck. Um, I mean, the, the strategy is going to help. The principles are going to help, but you are never really going to get very far. And, uh, we call that, you know, again, it's called heavy lifting. Uh, but, uh, with, us, I mean, I think that's one of the, the main things that we do is we hold people accountable during the months to get over the hump. I mean, once you have five, 10 procedures done, then it's, it becomes natural and it becomes easy. But um, getting to those first five, 10 procedures is, is the rub. And I always try to, I try to push people in a very bold way to do it, um, such as like you're going to block out four hours of time every Thursday morning. This is all you're doing. Uh, we had a um, vacation rental business we were working with, and um, that's what they did. They said every single employee in their business had to stop whatever they were doing, either the first four hours of Thursday or the second four hours of Thursday, get in a room, write procedures, either help someone write one, um, brainstorm on one, review one, measure one, but they were all going to be working on procedures four hours every Thursday. and that's what they did every Thursday. Now, this is an extreme example. I mean, most people aren't going to do that. Um, but they, you know, they were a VC-backed business. They were growing dramatically. And they knew 
the only way to grow in a sane way was to have systems. And so they, they did it. Uh, most companies, it's not so, it's not so dramatic. You know, it's really just uh, picking a piece each week, writing it down. But um, to circle back, it's about training the team to write them. Um, now, anyone in this call who, who has a, maybe a, a blue collar business, like I'm working with an oil exchange, uh, oil change um, business right now, and they're opening up new oil changes, is that a lot of those guys are not going to spend a lot of time on computers, right? They're not going to write procedures. They're, they're under the hood of cars and they're really good at what they do. And so you have to be creative about how you go about it. It might be, we do procedures, sometimes audio procedures, video procedures, procedures with, with pictures. Sometimes we'll bring in somebody to shadow someone else to get the procedures. So there's different ways to do it. And so as the owner, you have to be creative in, in leading the operation, but you don't have to be the one doing it. Uh, even though that might be quicker the first week, it's going to kill progress. So, I, and, and I think that's, those are all fantastic points. And, and so we started off with this idea of getting kind of elevated and, you know, slightly separated from your business and being an observer and looking for all of the systems. And as you're working with businesses, is that, do you find that that's really the role of, of uh, the, the business owner or the CEO or is that actually getting pushed down as, as the team begins to understand this process, they can begin to dissect things and, and, and determine what processes and systems actually exist and need to be created. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, um, that, uh, methodology has to be weave, woven through everybody. Yeah. It, and it, and again, it, it seems very simple, especially once owners get it, they think, well, everyone else would get it too, but it's not, it's not till I I'm going to work with a company and a problem happens. Um, well, this is funny. So I was working at a mental health um, organization, a nonprofit in California. So I'm going out there and I say, well, you know, how, how are things going? And they say, well, this, this problem happened. And then one of my employees who just started two weeks ago said, do we have a procedure for that? And then I go into another meeting and, you know, same kind of thing happens. And they said, you know, we had, we had an issue over here where we had a, you know, a conflict with one of the, the staff. And um, they, they said, someone in the meeting says, hey, we should write a, really write a process for that so that doesn't happen again. And it was, it was the, the, the team who realized that once they had these things in place, they were going to have a better organization. So it wasn't the owner. It wasn't the supervisor. It wasn't the manager. It was the lowest level that was getting it. And they, they were about building these things. That's what you want, right? I mean, the, the cost of labor to do it is much lower than. Um, and I think the other thing that, that really hangs people up is they think, well, if it's a procedure, it has to be perfect. Like it, you know, like it's a, it's a government procedure and, and it's life or death. It really doesn't. A lot of the, I mean, there's, I can go way deep into it. There's a lot of different ways to do these things. And some of them are just very generic guidelines. Like, um, communication guidelines. What is good communication? Well, good communication is this, and it's not this, and we never do this. And here are the ways that we use email, and here are the ways to use text. Um, here is the you know the protocol. So it's it's just a it's a guideline, and it's not so difficult for for an average person to write. Um, and so so I'll share some of Sam's procedures during during um, some of the the training I do. I do some group coaching, and people are always like, "That's not a very good procedure." And I'm like, well, that procedure's made him, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And yeah, the, maybe the formatting is not great. And maybe, you know, the, it seemed like they were missing a step here. But the point is they took action. They did it. They improved their business. They got it organized. 
And then they moved on and then they moved on. And they know that if they have a problem with that particular process in the future, it will get refined. And then, it, then it'll be used as an asset. And then if they have a problem down the road or an innovation or um, the business changes or the customer type changes, they can go back to that thing and refine it again and refine and refine and refine and refine. But they, they were bold enough to just take action. And so um, I like to see, I mean, I was working with this uh, small parts factory in, in Michigan and that, I mean, they wrote some of the worst procedures ever. Like, I mean, I'd read through them and I was like, I, I have no idea what this means. Like you, you'd hire someone and they wouldn't be able to use this at all. And he's like, that procedure, that procedure saved us, uh, you know, 30 minutes a day per shift. We have 40 employees. If you multiply that out, that, that, that procedure saved us $100,000 a year. And I'm thinking, this, this is like chicken scratch. This is, doesn't mean anything. But um, they knew who they're writing it for and they're writing it for their team. And their team was involved. And so, um, you, know, you know, buy-in's a big part of it too. So yeah, I mean, not to go way deep, but yes, there are just these three steps, you know, the getting outside and slightly elevated first, and then the strategic objective, operating principles, working procedures. But the, um, it's very simple and very, very simple uh, and not rocket science, but it's the application I think that is, uh, is hard. And that involves a leader. A leader really has to do it. Um, your team is never going to ask for it. Um, they will never want it. Initially, the leader really has to drive it and have the backbone to stick with it for a period of time. Um, otherwise, it, it definitely won't work. Yeah, and um, it, you know, you, you talked about the, the idea of refining these things over time. Um, I think that's, that, that's a really critical piece to this. Having implemented a lot of these ideas um, in our own business, it, it's always difficult if we try and start with the, you know, the very lengthy, detailed, go here, mm -hmm. click this, do that. But a five-step checklist will often accomplish 80% of or 90% of the same results. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and you get it, you get it done in, you know, in no time. And so um, the, uh, this, this thought of iterating through these things till you get to the level of detail that's actually necessary because you may not need all that detail all the time um, that I, I've seen a lot of people try and, you know, put in and, and get, just get tripped up, you know, and, mm -hmm. and delayed and, and getting the results from this. So Josh, this has been great. Um, it's a fantastic book, fantastic system. I love the work that, that uh, you and Sam are doing. Um, and uh, I know they can find you at, at workthesystem.com. Any place else you want folks to go to, to find out how you guys are helping? You know, that's really the, the best spot to go is workthesystem.com. You'll get, uh, you can download Sam's book for free, Work the System. So we build everything off the book. So that's for free. And then if you share the book, you get the audio book for free. So if you'd like to, to listen to it, I know a lot of folks do. And then, yeah, join, join our mailing list. So at that point, um, you know, I do webinars to train people every so often. Those are typically free. And then there's a group coaching, which I do, and consulting for the larger companies. But it's really just a, it's a hub for small business owners who want to, you know, simplify their business growth with systems. And they can find a ton of information there. We do a podcast there as well. So we'd love to see him over there on workthesystem.com. Well, we'll, uh, we'll link to uh, your website. We'll link directly to the, the book where they can get that. Um, and uh, Josh, thanks so much for investing some time with me today. This has been a lot of fun and I uh, hope everybody got a lot of value out of it. Thanks, Steve. I really enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. 
Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.